Welcome back, listeners. So, Josh, in the first segment, we just talked about the muddy world of the soybean herbicide traits and just some of the, the differences to be alert on when you're making some of those decisions there. Uh, but as we move into segment two, we're going to shift focus a little bit more to the alfalfa side of things. Uh, if we look at the time of year we're sitting, a few questions have come up um, in that side of the arena currently. One of those being, uh, we look at maybe some of these newer seeded alfalfa fields um, earlier this year. And in some cases, maybe that stand just isn't sitting quite where we'd like to see it. Um, and I think it's just important to walk through where we sit today. What are those things that we need to make sure we're evaluating in, in situations where we sit now, where it's less than ideal, and what are some things we can tweak in the future um, as we're seeding these alfalfa stands? Yeah, um, a couple things. I, I was actually looking at some on Monday and also a little bit last week. Um, a couple things. Um, you know, I had a couple things that weren't quite right and some things I really liked about some situations uh, I was called out to look at. Um, you, know, you know, number one, there, there are still some producers using some small green with it. Um, had one producer that um, really brought that, they were using oats in this case, but really brought that rate down to maybe only like a half a bushel, to three quarters of a bushel. And that was just our number one, just a great balance of having some cover, but also not over competing uh, with the alfalfa. In this case, they were their plan was to spray it off so they weren't taking it for feed. So that gives you flexibility to be less. But that's just one thing, you know, whenever you do get um, upwards of a bushel and a half or better of oats or some heavier rates of small grain, it can really compete with that alfalfa underneath. There's something to consider. And the other thing we noticed was, um, I was called out there, you know, stands were maybe a little thin, a little slow, and, and the germination was really uneven. In some cases, we had plants that were, you know, maybe stretching up to a foot tall and some that were just germing, you know, just the cotyledons out of the ground. And, um, you know, just kind of getting that first trifoliate emerged. And in a lot of cases, when you see that, it really boils down, alley to seed bed preparation and maybe not being firm enough. In some cases, um, uh, this producer on the corn silage ground where it was all taken off, um, seemed like we did okay, but where it was earlitch taken off, we had a lot of residue. We just didn't get that, that, that seed firm enough. And maybe um, a situation that uh, they did roll it out front, and maybe in that case, maybe rolling after it, but uh, just seen a lot of maybe... Um, wrong type of roller, wrong timing things, but uh, you know, ideally we want that ground to be really firm before any seeding operation. Uh, in most cases, we only want to maybe sink our foot in a quarter inch. That's how firm it needs to be. And, uh, and something I'm watching where we got heavier residue, maybe thinking about bringing the roller back over it a second time. But um, those are just a couple of things I noticed on, on seed bed prep. I'm not sure what you've seen across there either. Well, I'll start on the seed bed prep side of things. And I think just a sometimes a nice quick way to make an assessment on what was that seed bed as firm as you'd like to see it. If you notice that maybe on your headlands or more compacted areas, your areas, your stand is looking better than in the middle of the field, that's probably a surefire sign that it was a little too mellow yet in the middle of the field. So that's something I'm looking for. And then I am going to come back to, you know, I had a scenario this spring where there was some barley, um, interceded with that new seeding alfalfa and that barley was so aggressive and quick out of the ground and it just kind of um, started to just shade out some of that alfalfa. So the, the alfalfa is there in most cases. I, I think that stand is going to make it, but it is important to note, like you mentioned earlier when we were talking about this, um, might miss a cutting in some of those cases, even though it will eventually make stand, which kind of leads me to my next question. So as we're out, out making those assessments on this newer seeding alfalfa, What's sort of your your line of I'm okay with the number of plants that are here, it's gonna make it or needing to to start mm -hmm. over in, in some cases? Yeah, it um if things are you know in a 
perfect scenario. We like to, I like to see, you know, over 20 plants per square foot. You know, I'm feeling pretty good in some cases. Uh, Monday, I had some down to 10, 12, which even at 10 or 12, and I think we're still going to gain a few yet since there's still some coming. You know, we're going to make a final stand. I'm not going to be too concerned. Um, you know, the only advantage of being a little bit lower in that seeding year is, you know, granted, you're uh, you may give up a little bit of tonnage in that seeding year, but I think we'll establish out in most cases those alfalfa stands thin themselves down. Um, so I think we'll be okay. And and the other thing, you know, we talk about missing a cutting. Um, a lot of growers try to time that with second crop. In some cases, we're going to let some stretch to third crop. Um, but, you know, making sure we take care of potato leaf hoppers in that situation. Um, if we're going to stretch a little bit farther, um, if we do scout after second crop, don't forget about that crop that's standing out there waiting for third because or those leaf hoppers just love those new seeding fields and they can really lay, raise some havoc out there. Which I think, so you mentioned leaf hoppers there at the end of that discussion. I think that leads us kind of into just our last question around alfalfa. Some folks, we you know we're getting more questions around what are some of these potato leaf hopper levels look like or where's that, when's that prime time? I need to really shift my focus and make yeah, sure I know what those Yeah, really going to have to, yeah, we'll really have to start scouting here uh, quickly, especially I think in a lot of cases we'll get to second crop here. Um, but we'll be scouting right away. We're starting to see uh, some populations show up. And uh, just a couple reminders. I had this come up. Um, I had someone that was out scouting, and I asked the question, you know, you, are they all adults or are you seeing nymphs? And they kind of look at me like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. But if you are scouting for leaf hoppers, make sure uh, there's adults and nymphs. They look a little bit different, but they're similar, but they do count the same. So a nymph does count towards your threshold. You don't separate those. But uh, sometimes there's confusion around leaf hoppers and how to scout them. But that is uh, one thing to be looking out there. And uh, my favorite leaf hopper story is uh, so one time I had a guy pull in the driveway and said, oh, man, I saw some jumping across the road. They look bad. And I'm like, they're pretty small alley. You really got to be out there with your sweep net looking close. They're not that big. But uh, just understanding what they look like, ID, and knowing how to scout them is really important. And Allie, that okay. shall wrap up this episode. And next week, uh, we'll give you some more updates from the field.